Hi, everybody. I'll introduce you to him later. You can have a little look at him first. It's a boy. I don't know why. <laughs> we are looking uh, for a couple of weeks at the topic of courageous resistance. What a cool topic. And we're looking at the life of Daniel. And um, he is the most amazing character in scripture. So I'm really happy to be looking at him with you tonight. And he was a man who knew he was on a mission. He was a courageous resistor. So I guess my prayer as we go through the scriptures tonight is that we become like Daniel's in our own way. We don't need to just completely replicate how he was, but let's listen to the Spirit of God as we journey through what's recorded in Scripture and see what God wants to say to us tonight. So we're going to start reading from Daniel chapter 1. If you've got paper Bibles, you might want to read it from there. If you've got your phones, you might want to look at it from there, but um, the words will come up on the screen as well. So this is how Daniel chapter 1 starts. In the third year... Of the reign of Jeho- Jehoiakim, <laughs> sorry about that, I'll try again, Jehoiakim, I did practice that earlier, but <laughs> he was the king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, which means he totally surrounded it until they surrendered. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them in the treasure house of his God. I don't know how you feel reading that. There's one phrase there that I don't like very much, which was, he was besieged and then the Lord let them go into the enemy's hand. I didn't like that. And sometimes we have to be aware that sometimes there's things that God allows to happen that are not very comfortable for us. And sometimes things get taken over in a way that maybe isn't according to our plans. But let's read on what happens after they've basically been kidnapped and moved into Babylon. Babylon, by the way, now is modern-day Iraq just so you can kind of get a picture of the heat, the weather, the vibe. So verse 3 says this, The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. Basically, if you were like, you were going to be dragged in to try to be indoctrinated more because you were top notch and that's who they were looking for. So thousands and thousands of people were kidnapped in Jerusalem and brought there, but a few were specifically picked out and targeted as being ones that needed to be specifically brought into the king's palace. Now, I've got a photo of um, kind of some of the gates around Babylon. Have a look at this and see. This was what it was like where they would have been dragged to. And um, one of the inscriptions that Nebuchadnezzar had written on one of the walls, there was about eight of these um, big gates into the city. He wrote, this was built for all to be in awe 
So Babylon as a place was like, we want to go, wow, we're amazing. We're going to kidnap everybody. We're going to indoctrinate them. We are the most wealthy, rich place. You have got to come and be like us. We're on a mass takeover. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. He wanted to extend his empire. And so where we jump into the story with Daniel, they've extended, they're trying to extend across Egypt, Syria, and the kingdom of Judas, which is where um, they have all been seized. So tens of thousands of Israelites have been captured and dragged in. Some of them were going to be made to be laborers. Some of them were being indoctrinated like Daniel was. And they were forced. And if you've ever heard the song by Boney M, I'm under strict instructions not to play it to you by my husband. But have you heard the song by Boney M, By the Rivers of Babylon? (laughs) I'm going to sing it instead. (laughs) By the rivers of Babylon. Come on. Where we sat down. Yeah. Where we wept. As we remembered Zion. What I find weird about that song is it's like really happy. And then they're like, where we wept and we remembered where we'd been kidnapped from. And they're like, yeah. Anyway, the tune is happy, but the words are really sad. Anyway, how did you find that? Was that embarrassing? (laughs) Anyway, that song is about what happened there. They wept as they sat down and they remembered Zion, where they'd been from. They were sobbing because it wasn't according to their plans. Horrendous. But let's just see what this chap Ashpenaz, he was tasked to do with these specifically picked out handsome young men um, who they'd managed to kidnap and bring. So verse 4 goes on to say this. He was instructed to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So they wanted to educate them, re-educate them, re-indoctrinate them into a new way. Then it says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And it says that they were to be trained for three years. Remember that. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. So to Daniel, he gave, them, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, he gave Abednego. Now, interesting what happened with these name changes, because Daniel's name originally meant, God is my judge, God is my strength. And the Babylonians tried to change his name to Belshazzar, which meant, would Baal protect the king? (laughs) Totally different. Not who he had as his original identity. And assigning new names in that culture was a really kind of common practice in those days. And it was really blatant as an intention to just completely want to change the identity of the person, the bearer of the name, until their life matched what you were describing of them. So trying to take God is my judge, God will be my strength, to someone who would go, I hope Baal protects the king. (laughs) Isn't that awful? Like, literally, you couldn't get any worse. The other names are equally as sad. Hananiah meant God is gracious and God is merciful. And that was changed to Shadrach, which meant you'll be really fragile and tender and at the command of the moon god. Mishael meant who is like our god. And that was changed to who is Aku, which was one of their gods. 
Azariah was changed from God is my helper to Abednego, which meant servant of Nabu, which is who they worshipped as a statue, who they thought would bring them wisdom. Don't think it was going very well for them. Anyway, let's just think about our names and the identity, the original design that God speaks over you for a moment. Who does he say you are? What does he declare you to be? There are promises in scripture that we, of the children, as the children of God, we've got to take hold of those truths and not allow ourselves to be changed and morphed and pulled and transformed into something just because someone else says it. Because look at what happened with Daniel. He's offered all this food. We were laughing earlier because if I would go somewhere and there's a massive buffet, I'm like, <gasps> and I can't eat it fast enough. I'm like, oh, some of that, some of that. If you, any of you were at the black tie event, I'm amazed there was any food left on the table at the end. But, you know, it was top-notch grub. Anyway, Daniel was offered all of this amazing food. And it was good food, some of it. But he knew what he had decided. And it says this in verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And defiling is a weird word, but basically it means, you know, to kind of like damage the purity of something or to spoil or desecrate something that's really sacred. So he had something about him where his name meant God is my strength, where he seemed to know I have got something about me of the image of God and I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to take this into me because I don't want to desecrate something that's sacred. Isn't that amazing? And so this is where I introduce you to the sacred sponge. Ooh. Okay, give me more. Come on. This is like my garden sponge taking on a new identity for you tonight. <laughs> Mike's, Mike was like, it's a bit grotty. I was like, well, that's all we've got. <laughs> so this is the sacred sponge. And what is in comes out. Good, light in, light out. God's goodness in, God's goodness out. But rubbish in, rubbish out. <laughs> I wonder how sacred and spongy you're feeling today and what you're filled with. Because what we are filled with will come out of us. And Daniel had resolved. He had made a decision to be a courageous resister. And it's not entirely obvious at first what would be the dangers of eating some really nice food. But in God's word earlier in scripture, there were certain guidelines given and he didn't want to go against them because he had heard the word of the Lord on things and he knew he was sacred he knew he was carrying the presence of God and the purposes of God, even though he was a kidnapped man. And I wonder how we'd feel if we were kidnapped today, whether we would be that resolved. It makes me nervous for our culture. 
But Daniel was a man on a mission. He was a man of courage. He was a man who stayed on the front foot. He'd made a decision beforehand what he was going to say no to because he knew that his yes was the purpose of God, the plan of God, whatever was going on around him. He was not for moving. He knew what he wanted to do and he knew what he didn't want to do. He knew what he wanted to take into himself physically. And I wonder whether we are that alert to the things we take physically in our bodies. There's loads of teaching at the moment out on the internet about our gut health. You know, what we stuff into our body goes right into the core and affects everything about us. It's not just meant to be kind of like a... a a metaphor, it, this takes literal meaning for us, doesn't it? So what do you fill yourself with on a daily basis? I have to sometimes make decisions about what telly I watch. And we were joking earlier, weren't we, about programs that are coming up and things like that. But there was one series um, like in the last years, and I just couldn't watch it. And everyone else was fine with watching it, but I knew I could not watch it because it was making me a really suspicious person. And um, I have a natural tendency towards that anyway, so I had to turn it off and stop watching it. And other people in my family could carry on because it wasn't affecting them in the same way. And so we have to really discern with the Holy Spirit of God, because we're a sacred sponge, what will affect us and diminish us. And be really brave to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I won't. And um, Joshua 3 verse 5, Joshua says this, he tells the people, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And so what, what we need to be reminded of, I think, tonight is that we are sacred and we are a sponge <laughs> We can absorb things into ourselves. We are spiritual beings, not just physical. And so when we just kind of get a bit sloppy or just surrender to things that are around us and think they're okay, that's not okay with God's Holy Spirit in us because he lives in us. We're his temple, a sacred temple of him. We are chosen and bought at a price and God has a plan for us. So I want to just kind of challenge us really and think when we feel totally besieged and surrounded will we just back down and surrender and lose our nerve or will we decide that we know we're sacred and we're not for surrendering because God has a plan for us um, and this can work out in any circumstance. It could be when we're at work, we're absorbing conversations, we're absorbing atmospheres. We have authority as Christians to say, no, I push that back in Jesus' name as a prayer. And sometimes we might even need to say out loud, no, I don't want to hear that anymore. Maybe in our families, there are things that we can decide in our homes, there are things that we decide to let in or not let in. And we don't just have to absorb everything. And God has a plan, doesn't he, for us wherever we find ourselves. This guy, Daniel, was kidnapped and God still had a plan for him. And Daniel knew it and he was not prepared to back down and he was not prepared to lose his nerve. I wonder what you'd do. 
Jeremiah reminds us that God has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. Hills quoted it earlier. Jesus reminds us that we are meant to be salty and stay salty, not lose our saltiness. And also he says that we are light that shouldn't just be hidden under a bowl. We set ourselves on a stand and we bring light to a whole house. I wonder if we've got that in mind with the choices we make. Isaiah the prophet says, You are precious and honoured in God's sight. You are chosen and dearly loved. We are an original design. God's masterpiece. We're sacred. We're set apart. We're not our own. We belong to God and we were bought at a very expensive price. We cost Jesus his whole life. And knowing that and believing that, it's meant to do something, right? (laughs) It's meant to change something in us. It's meant to make us want to be something, be transformed, do something as a person. Because we're set apart for God's purpose. C.S. Lewis said this, it is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all of our friendships, our loves, our play, our politics, because there are no ordinary people. Everyone is sacred. They just don't all know it yet. And maybe you don't yet. And where Nebuchadnezzar wrote as an inscription on the wall, be, or, be totally in awe of this place, this empire I'm building. God has written an inscription on you saying, I love you. You're mine. I am actually in awe of you. You're a beautiful, unique design and I have got a plan for you. Take yourself more seriously. You're really precious to God as a design And it's interesting, when we take a stand, others around us might react. Let's look at what happened as Daniel goes no to certain foods. It says this, God caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. So he had favour, but then it says this, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord and King who's assigned you the food and drink. Why would he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The King would have my head because of you. And so what's happened there is the obvious fears that are in the world. And everyone makes bad decisions based on fear. It's a really bad motivator, isn't it? It's about what things look like. I'm worried you'll look worse. Are you worried you'll look worse? Are other people going, don't do that? You'll look silly. If you stand against that, think about what it'll look like. That comes into my head sometimes. And then he says the other thing that people do because of fear, they fear for their whole lives. He'll have my head because of you. Watch your life. They'll get you. Well, do you know, Christians have been making radical decisions for Jesus for centuries and centuries, and our faith is still standing. God is still on the throne and moving. Let's not back down now. Daniel says this to that guard. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. 
So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and they were able to drink and he gave them vegetables instead. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? They looked better. It was better when they said their no. So that defeated the fear of what they'd looked like. And then look at this. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Consecrate yourselves today because tomorrow God wants to do incredible things among you. He wants to give good gifts to his children. He wants us to be the vessels that he is so delighted to pour his spirit into and start to act out these incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural knowledge and understanding, ability to interpret dreams. He poured them in because they were open and ready. God gave them And at the end of that time, set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with him, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the enchanters, all the psychics of the day in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the King Cyrus. God has got plans for you. God has got choices that will come before you every day. And so when we feel besieged, when we feel surrounded, when we don't know what to do, God still has a plan for us. I'm just going to read from um, a book that I've got half into and I haven't finished yet, but it's called Guerrilla Gospel. And it's by a guy called Bob Ekblad. And he's talking about Jesus and how Jesus embodies just the most unprecedented authority on earth. And he was on the front line. He was on the front foot. He pushed forward. Paralyzed people were healed. Tax collectors transformed completely. Leaders begged for the power of God to come and heal in their own home. Unconventional tactics that didn't use violence, didn't use coercion, just didn't use terror, saw demons and oppression cast out of people. But this is what um, this guy says about Jesus. Jesus was born into a world marked by oppression and injustice to announce and embody God's global liberation movement. Like an insurgent, Jesus comes in under the radar, behind enemy lines, and builds a foundation of trust with a growing entourage of humble followers. Jesus incites a revolution that he calls the kingdom of God. And he wants us in it. He wants us 
forward. He wants us pressing in to everything God has for us, wherever we find ourselves, to make ruthless decisions, brutal decisions sometimes about what we're prepared to say yes to and what we don't want to take into ourselves. Galatians talks about do not get drunk on wine Don't suck that in. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Allow God's Spirit to move in power through your life. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself aside for God because he wants to do great things amongst you. I wonder what he's got for your life if you'll do that today. I'm not going to give any spoilers, and if you want to know how God used Daniel, you'll have to come back next week. Don't read on. Wait for the drama to unfold. I know it's in the Bible, and you probably already know, but I feel like it's, what's going to happen with him as he's made these decisions? But they were trained for three years. Someone else trained up his followers for three years and sent them out in a mass liberation movement. It was Jesus. Someone else gives us a name, an identity. Let's take his thoughts on things. Someone else doesn't want us to spoil and desecrate what's separate, really separate and sacred. Your body is a beautiful temple of the Spirit of God. Take care of what you fill it with eyes, heart, what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're taking in and engaging with. Consecrate yourselves because God wants to do amazing things. I wonder what gifts God's Spirit wants to give us tonight to get us ready for what he's going to do with us. Knowledge and understanding, 10 times better than others who thought they knew it all. So I want to ask us tonight, can you see the sacred? Can you see what God has put in you and in others? Just start to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. He loves you so much. And remember, some of our mantras that we used to have as a family was rubbish in, rubbish out. Good in, good out. Truth in, truth out. Light in, light out. Life in, life out. Because you're a sacred sponge. (laughs) Being filled and spilling out to everyone you meet. And God has a plan for you. Just like he had for Daniel. However you feel besieged. Whatever's going on. Whatever teaching's trying to get into your head. Just stand firm with God. Now is not the time for us to lose our nerve. So I'd love to pray for us. And um, I think it'd be good at the start of a year to make a few declarations. And so can I just encourage you to all stand if you're able to. Or stand on the inside of yourself. Stand up. And this is the declaration I think we're meant to make. Because all of this is because of who God says we are. Sacred and holy and set apart. So I'd love us to just declare over ourselves, I am sacred. (laughs) 
sounds a really weird word, but I just imagine God just being like, wow, look at you. Look at my church. Look at my children. Sacred. So our first declaration to say all together is I am sacred. After three, ready? One, two, three. I am sacred. I think it's really important we say it. Maybe some of us need to go home and look in the mirror and remember what's at stake in you. Again, one, two, three. I am sacred. And this one. God has a plan for me. Because he does. So after three, one, two, three. God has a plan for me. Again, God has a plan for me. So wherever you find yourself, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're wondering about resolving, start to get it nailed today. I remember praying with a friend a couple of years ago who liked a, liked a bit of a drink. And she, we said, let's ask the Holy Spirit what you resolve to do when you go out. And she heard God audibly just say, this many drinks, no more. <laughs> no more. And she did it. She stuck to it. And it broke its power off her life. A need to get confidence from alcohol. So let's just pray. And why don't we open our um, hands if we're able. Because God's spirit is here. He has a plan. You are sacred. Consecrate yourselves today. Lord, I thank you that we are sponges, but we're sacred. That we can receive the power of your spirit on our lives. And I thank you that whatever circumstance we find ourselves, whether we feel besieged on every side, I thank you that even then, you have something for us to be and do and decide in that moment. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your courage to come upon us. We take courage now. We decide that there's things we won't go along with. And Lord, I, I thank you for your mercy. That even if we've started to slide or get sloppy, it's not too late. Come Holy Spirit of God.